This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, September 28th, 2022 edition, and we are heading into the final few days, actually two more trading days of the quarter. And we got the first major hint of a Fed pivot. And that brought a strong rally. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more. I'll uh, unpack some of the indicators that we're seeing that says that uh, might be in the offing, at least uh, to give a, some sort of a short term rally with sentiment so poor. Now, I'm Justin Klein. And I look forward to doing this podcast with you this hour and answering your finance and investment questions. And the phone number, as always, for you to give me a call is 888-99-CHART. You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time. And we love those live calls as well. Now I've got a packed podcast for you today. My main focus point concerns the question, is the buy the dip strategy now a bad idea? We're going to look at some statistics for this year compared to previous years and how to think about your deploying of capital, uh, especially on those down days. Now, time permitting, I have some other topics as well that I want to tackle. One is insurance, car insurance. Rates are up about 10% this year uh, and expected to go up another 5 to 10% next year. So we're going to look at that data and things you can do to maybe lower that bill and how to think about the right coverage for you. Also, the labor market, the U.S. labor market, there's a lot of headlines. A lot of people follow the headline number, and that has been fairly consistently good for the past five, six months. And but the question is, is, is there something underneath the surface that is hinting at a weaker labor market and how is that going to uh, eventually manifest itself in the bigger headlines and ultimately fed policy and then lastly we're going to look at banks lending into the leverage loan market the private equity market and some shifts going on and how that's going to uh, impact those uh, those markets the valuations in those markets etc so those are things that are on the docket for me but ultimately i want to know what's on your mind so give me a call at 8899 chart. Now, I, I do see we have some voice bank questions lined up and on deck. One is about Sirius XM Holdings as well as PHM Pulte Group, Home Builder. So, we've got this all planned for this action packed hour of Invest Talk. And of course, once again, your live calls are the most important. So, I'm ready for them right now. Let's take a look at the market today. We had a very healthy rally uh, on the back of what seems to be a the start of shifting in expectation for Fed tightening. Last week, there was about a 70% chance of a 75 basis point hike 
in November, that has come down to about 52%. So it's roughly a 50-50 now between a 75 and a 50 basis point hike at the next Fed meeting. And you can go out into February and you can see multiple reductions in expectation of where Fed the Fed funds will be at the end of the year and into the first quarter and into actually the middle of next year as well. So usually the market speaks and the Fed follows and the market's starting to speak. And a lot of that, I believe, has to do with what ha- what's what's happening in the UK and the, the BOE, Bank of England, stepping in and trying to support the pound. You have the same thing going on in Japan. And what you're seeing here is a shift in the risks in the markets. During 08, a lot of that was credit or consumer focused. People were defaulting on their mortgages, their credit cards, and that was the consumer having a lot of debt. Well, over the subsequent years, the debt was kicked up a lot to corporate balance sheets, trying to absorb a lot of that bad debt uh, and just leveraging themselves up in order to manufacture growth in a very slow economy. Then you had the COVID crisis and there was a big bailout of corporations, uh, not just banks like in 08, but broader corporations, think of the PPP loans. And all of this continued to kick the debt higher and higher up the, call it the food chain. And now it is on the sovereign level, talking about not just here in the US, but in Europe, in Japan, is that's been a problem for a long time. Uh, but any of these countries, especially the developed ones that have high debt to GDP ratios, that ha- are net importers of energy, which continues to go up in price, then you become you becomes a problem, especially when you're looking at your currency in relation to the dollar and you need dollars to buy uh, energy, uh, et cetera. All of this starts to break the system and you're starting to see that break. And the Fed always tightens until they break something and they're starting to break things. Now, it's not really breaking uh, here in a dramatic fashion. Obviously, you've seen the drawdown of markets. Uh, but what you're starting to see is them keeping their eye on what's happening over there, what's happening abroad. Jerome Powell, he is a veteran of the private equity industry. So his number one barometer is probably from a financial stability standpoint is going to be corporate bonds. And corporate bonds, they're they're fine. The, this yield spreads are higher, but they're not anything dramatic that's uh, indicating some sort of systemic problem. But when you get the disruptions in these currency and bond markets overseas because of the strong dollar, that's where you're starting to see this manifest. And what's interesting here is the the shift in expectations and ultimately that'll feed into policy, I mean, looser monetary policy or less hawkish at least, and eventually a pause. And that's their, their next step. Their next step isn't going to QE, it will be a pause. But if you have rates at these levels, you, you're going to bankrupt the, the country, right? We have too much debt. We have too many entitlements, et cetera. And it's clear that they're going to have to monetize the debt, especially at these interest rate levels. So, so I don't think the Fed can go much farther than they already have. And the market is kind of calling its bluff at this point. So uh, pretty interesting day. Uh, I said I was expecting a bottom late September, early October. 
If we get a follow through from today, I think that's a pretty good indication that we've, we've seen it, but still TBD, we'll wait for tomorrow and look at that action. Now we're heading into a break and I welcome your finance investment questions. Now, no question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda. So give InvestTalk a call at 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Duncan from New York. Again, thank you for all that you do. I'm one of your favorite students of this podcast. I am now learning a lot about cycles because of you guys. Thank you very much. I'm looking into stock ticker PHM, Pulte Group, a home builder stock. I'm just curious to know if this would be a good time to invest in home building and two, what would be a good entry point? I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to the answer on the podcast. Bye. All right, looking at Pulte Group, this is actually a name that we own for clients, and it's one of the largest home builders in the U.S. They operate in 40 different markets across 23 states, mainly single-family detached homes. That's about 85% of their units, and they're in the entry-level move-up kind of uh, environment. They're not uh, typically the high-end and that's really where we like it. And it also just has a consistently strong profitability longer term. And most people are going to be scared off from the home builders because they're going to say, well, interest going up and housing prices are going down. They're going to get crushed. It's going to be like 08 all over again. Uh-uh. Very different when it comes to the home builders, not overbuilding like they, like they used to. They've been very conscious of that. And if you look at the home, where was it? Is it Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday. Let me pull that up. The single family homes last month in the month of August, month over month, get this, up 28.76% in the month of August. Crazy, right? Now, July was down, June was down. So those were a couple of depressed months. So some of that was base effects. But what you're seeing here is the best deals in the market are from the home builders. They're willing and able to cut prices by 10, 15, 20%. And yeah, they're not making record margins like they were before, but they're still making money and their margins are closer to their longer term average. And they're okay with that. Still earning 
good return of their money, return for uh, shareholders, etc. And these stocks are trading at pretty depressed prices. And the reason that the best opportunities are in those new home uh, in that new home market is because nobody's more unrealistic about the value about anything really than a homeowner that's trying to sell into a down market. They always think that their home is worth more than it really is. And they're always slow to cut prices when they should be more aggressive and get out in front of it. And guess what? Home builders don't have that emotional attachment. A lot of people have an emotional attachment to their home, to the price they paid for the home. They want to make sure they make money on the home. They have an idea of what their home's worth and they're not w- w- willing to budge because guess what? Six months ago, their, their, their neighbor down the street sold a similar home that was not as nice as theirs. And uh, it was for more than you know the offers that we're getting now. And, and they make all these, these excuses without really owning up to the fact that, hey, they're selling into a down market. And that's why I think home builders are going to do fairly well during this cycle because they can buy points to incentive people, incentivize people to get uh, mortgages through them at lower rates, and they're going to see elsewhere. They're going to take a little bit of hit on their uh, on the price of the home. But once again, they have high margins, and they're they're fine with that. Okay, so Pulte is still throwing off good cash flow that's going to shrink. But they're buying back shares. The return of invested capital, 23%. Uh, it's just a very well-run home builder. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up. All right. Now, if you'd like the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their question quickly. Marco CP says, if possible, I would enjoy your feedback on Siri. I have owned Siri for many years and have large capital gains. My Portfolio weight is 0.8% and is 2.7. Why? Yield on capital, I'm saying? YOC, I don't know what YOC means. Uh, with market downturn this year, would you advise increasing my weighting or hold or sell? Okay, we're looking at Sirius XM. Uh, they also bought Pandora, so they do own uh, that. And this is a company that's been consistently throwing off cash flow. My issue, though, is if you're looking at the growth of cash flow, it started to level off and subtly started to decline. And that's my big issue here is it looks like a name that is tired, both on a chart basis as well as business. And frankly, as more and more of us get attached to our phones and and most people listen to media in their car on their phones. You know, I listen to podcasts and music and, and audiobooks on my phone. And you can listen to Siri, but you also probably have Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And I don't think Pandora's, you know, a top competitor to this either. So I actually think this is a name that I would I would get rid of. Uh, its business looks to be teary. It's still trading at a bit of a market uh, premium. So I'm going to pass and I'm going to sell Siri. Now we're heading into a break and I'm here taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. You 
are listening to Invest Talk, and the market has been interesting. So you'll have important finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point today concerns the story behind this question Is the buy the dip strategy a bad idea now? And this has been a focus of a lot of uh, meme stocks and, and crypto cu- cryptocurrency enthusiasts. And it was trending on TikTok and there were memes uh, created around the whole buy the dip mentality. Uh, I think of the poster child is Dave Portnoy, who was was Dave's trading or I forgot what he it was dur- during the pandemic when everyone was sitting at home. There were no sports going on, so we couldn't bet on sports. Right. And he got into trading and he just said, you buy, you buy, everything goes up. And he was kind of the, the, that was his mantra, buy the dip. And in an era where the Fed is always there to kind of come in and save the day, I think uh, that's certainly, that certainly paid off. Uh, But in this environment where the Fed is, at least not yet, come in to save the day, uh, you're experiencing more volatility than most people are used to. Now, frankly, this is a more normal market. You get big rallies, you get big sell-offs. It's not this continuously trending higher market like you saw in 2020 and 2021. Okay, and even before then, where uh, you 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 saw some sell-offs when the Fed tightened policy. I think 2018 uh, near the end of the year. But the Fed has always come in. Their number one job is to make sure the Treasury is solvent. And so they will eventually come in. It's just a matter of what magnitude and uh, what ramifications will that have. Now, the S&P has experienced 42 one-day declines of at least 1% this year and 41-day gains of at least 1% this year. Now, the index has averaged a further decline of 0.45% on the day after of a, dip, a dip of over 1%. And that weakness hasn't been experienced following those big one-day drops since 1987. Now, from 1990 through 2021, the S&P tended to average next-day gains after a 1% drop in the market, and that fueled the the buy-the-dip mentality. And 2018 to 2021, it was even more extreme. You could almost set the clock to, hey, there's going to be a bounce if the market was down over 1%. But this year, that hasn't been the case. The index has so far averaged a decline of 0.33% on the day after gains of 1%. So big moves in the market this year, up or down, have been followed by a down day. 30% on ups and... 0.45% on down days. Now, a lot of people will say, well, there's a lot of cheap stocks. And there are. There certainly are. But that also isn't the only reason you should buy a stock. You have to have the right backdrop. And if you are going to have a buy the dip mentality, you need to have some cash on the sidelines. And it's difficult to time the market. 
as you've seen. Just look at the last two weeks post-Fed meeting. Markets sold off consistently until today. Where was that ultimate bottom? That's very difficult. Looks like it ended up being yesterday. And there were some things underneath the surface where you kind of got that sense. But you bought late last week, you're still down. Right? So what I'm saying here is, has the mentality changed? Yes. It's going to be a different market. Is the Fed going to be as apt to jump in and support the down market? No, they're not. Because inflation is going to be relatively sticky. But their ultimate goal is to make sure the Treasury is solvent, to make sure that this is, uh, it doesn't turn into something systemic. So a lot of people will say, well, then you should do a buy and hold strategy, a uh, dollar cost averaging strategy. I think that's a good idea. But you also have to keep an eye on the risk you're taking and be willing and able to take the volatility because that's what you're going to experience. Okay. So that's where we're at. And buying on down days is not necessarily a bad thing, but if it keeps going down, you don't panic. You have to make sure you're buying good quality companies. And over time, as the market settles out, those quality companies are going to be the ones that outperform. When I say quality, not about the story, about real cash flow, real earnings, real dividends. Those are the things that are going to matter in this market. Now, do we have time for another question? We do not. Okay, well. On the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. Could falling home prices collapse the financial system? I'll talk about that tomorrow. Now, the U.S. housing market has experienced one of the most rapid and dramatic shifts in its history. But we're going to look under the hood and see what type of impact that could have on the broader economy, the broader financial system, and how much does that compare to 2008. But that's tomorrow. For now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live, 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So. Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats 
with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Since Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are fearless advocates for financial freedom, loyal listeners can strengthen their portfolio strategies and very possibly improve their investing success by their connection with Invest Talk. 888 99 Chart. Hello, Justin. Hello, Steve. Longtime listener, Tony from Louisville. I have a question about Umana, ticker symbol uh, Hotel Uniform Mike. I was wondering if you thought this would be a good place to uh, buy in at this particular point. So just wondering what you guys thought of Humana. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. This is Humana, and they provide managed healthcare services, mainly through HMOs, PPO programs, in relation to uh, Medicare supplement programs and Medicare Advantage plans. And that's what they administer. And so as... The majority of baby boomers retire will be retired by the end of this year. Their plans are in high demand. And so I actually think this is definitely one of the better insurers out there. Uh, it is consistently profitable. Uh, earnings growth is also fairly consistent. Last quarter, revenue growth up 15%. Earnings growth up 26%. Earnings up 21% expected this year, 12% next year. So uh, very strong in the healthcare space. I don't love a lot of the healthcare stocks, but this is would be in the top five of my list within within that space. Uh, so I like it. Now, is it cheap? No, but it's also not expensive. Our fair value is right around these levels, around five hundred dollars per share, and it's trading right now at four hundred and ninety three dollars. So not cheap, not expensive. But if you're looking for something that's non cyclical, take advantage of those secular trends of a lot of baby boomers retiring and entering uh, the Medicare field and having to buy a supplemental plan, most likely, this is uh, one way to play it. And it's certainly outperforming the market uh, over the last three, six, nine months or so. That was Humana, H-U-M is the symbol. Now, speaking of insurance, let's talk a little bit about car insurance. And while the average cost of gas has dropped 26% since June, Car insurance premiums are up about 8.3% versus a year ago, and inflation is only partly to blame. Now, more Americans are driving more miles compared to what they were doing during the height of the pandemic, late 2020, 2021, and that's leading to more serious crashes, fender benders, road rage, and car-related crimes are also up as well, not just stealing outright cars overall, but things like catalytic, conver catalytic converters. Now, 932,000 vehicles were reported stolen last year, and that's an increase of 17% from 2019. And then you have the fact that used car prices are higher. And so if a car is totaled, then they're going to have to pay out a higher dollar amount to uh, that person that's insured. And so the average annual cost of car insurance is now $1,771, and that's expected to go up another 5 to 10% next year. 
Now, there are other things that are more inflation related that are causing uh, the increase in rates. Part of that is the, the higher uh, used car prices. But replacement parts in labor also are playing a factor. Harder to get people to fix these cars and it's taking longer and it's more expensive to get the replacement parts. And then cars are getting more sophisticated. So the time it takes to fix the cars also is going up. So you have high rates of vandalism, theft, accidents, uh, and all of those mean that city drivers typically pay higher rates than if you live in rural areas. Now, the most expensive states to insure your car, Florida and Nevada, as well as Louisiana, number one, $2,986, Florida, $2,775, Nevada, $2,489. What are the cheapest states? Idaho, only $1,027. Ohio, 1,066, and Vermont, 1,074. Now, what are some of the ways to reduce your overall bill? The first is to reduce your coverage. And a good rule of thumb is if you multiply your, your car's insurance premium by 10, and if the number is more than the value of your car itself, then collision and comprehensive, it's probably not worth it. Okay, because car's not worth that much. You can also raise your deductible and save sometimes up to $500 a year, moving your deductible from 500 bucks to 2,500 bucks. And now you probably should only do this if you have three, six months of emergency fund available and you should have that anyway. So once you have that three months up that deductible, odds are very low that you're going to use it if you're a good driver and you're going to save a good amount over time. Uh, by, by having that lower deductible or higher deductible, excuse me. Number three is shop around, get at least three quotes before signing on to a policy. And then lastly, look at programs that use usage-based uh, insurance programs, meaning they rely on technology and they monitor your driving habits and assign risk. And the number of programs that do this has doubled since 2016. And 16% of auto insurance customers currently are enrolled in these initiatives. Companies like Progressive, Allstate, Nationwide, Farmers, USAA, they all have programs like this. So if you're a good driver, you're safe, you drive slow, you don't get into accidents, you don't speed, you don't slam on the brakes very, very often, you're probably gonna get a discount. Now, if you're not, you tend to drive fast and uh, you maybe drive a sports car and you like to have fun with it, well, those are probably not ones you want to take advantage of because they'll actually charge a surcharge to you if you are exhibiting riskier than average behavior. Okay, So make sure you check on the rules there. But that's the current overview of the car insurance market. Now let's swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hi, Stephen, Justin, uh, Bob from Wisconsin here. I called in a few weeks ago about Lumen Technologies, L-U-M-N. Uh, I know it's been discussed a couple times on the show, and I called at that time because they had a change in CEO, which you guys, or at least uh, Justin, seemed to think it was a positive. I kind of bought a couple of shares just to watch it, but it's been slowly going down uh, with a lot of other stocks right now, but even more so than the rest of the sector has been. But today I noticed now that they announced 
any and all cash tender offers to purchase outstanding notes. Could you go over exactly what that's all about and whether that's bullish or bearish for this company and, and whether or not you still like the stock? Would you buy more here or sell or just hold? Would appreciate your thoughts, guys. Thank you very much. All right, looking at Lumen, and you're correct. They did uh, tender offers for a lot of their debt uh, because they have very strong cash flow and they rather just retire that debt, not pay the interest on it. And certainly that's value going more towards the bondholders than the equity holders through buybacks or increasing dividends, et cetera. And I think that's part of the reason that the, the market punished it, but also the fact that it just has a good amount of debt. Now their business is, while shrinking modestly, is very steady and their free cash flow yield is very, very high. And so they're able to go out there and repurchase the, the, their debt, $3.2 billion in free cash flow uh, trailing 12 months, and it's only an $8 billion market cap. Now, they do have about $28 billion in long-term debt, but they have the ability to pay the dividend as well as either retire debt or buy back stock. And so uh, overall, this new CEO, I like what she's doing, uh, making some changes, but it's something that uh, I think overall is bullish because they're going to retire a lot of uh, costs and overall long term is going to increase their free cash flow that they'll be able to return to shareholders. Now summer is over. The autumn holiday will be coming up fast. And keep in mind that while summer may have ended, market volatility clearly has not. And the question is, are you prepared for the upcoming Fed pivot? And then what is in store for the economy in 2023? Because guess what? We're three quarters of the uh, the way done with this year already. So if you need help understanding whether you are well prepared, uh, it's might be time to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP office at 800-557-5461. We'd love to speak to you and just hash out where you're at and where you're planning on going and see what kind of recommendations we can give you and a reminder that we practice parallel investing as well as unbiased guidance, both on and off air. And we'd love to help you. And the sooner you contact us, the sooner you, we can get your portfolio optimized. Now, next up, we will play a fresh listener question for you. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. Now let's go over to Brooklyn, New York, and we're going to talk to Dylan. He wants to talk about real estate. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Going pretty well. I have a two-part question for you. I'm currently 
in the middle of the pain and suffering of looking to buy a house in this market for my family. Uh, mm-hmm. My first question to you is pretty simple. It's basically, do you have a rule of thumb as to what percentage of your income should you be putting towards your monthly mortgage? And second, um, I've heard a lot of differing opinions about timing for buying right now. Um, some people are saying now is a good time to buy because you can a lot of the buyers have left the market, and if you can handle, you know, a little bit of pain for now, you can refinance down the road. And other people are saying just wait, and prices will keep dropping. I'm more on the latter. Now, I always say yeah. that no matter the market, your primary residence should not be about buying in the, at the perfect price or uh, making a ton of money on it. It should be about, does it fit the utility of your family, your needs for the next ideally 10 years plus? And then can you afford that payment? If interest rates go down, you refinance it, great. You obviously be able to afford it even more. Uh, but I wouldn't try to squeeze into a house in the hopes that interest rates going to go back down. Okay, it's pretty clear that the Fed is likely going to support the treasury market more than the mortgage market going forward. So I I, I don't see that we're going to get back to, you know, 3%, maybe 4%, maybe. Uh, but 3%, I think, is not something we're going to see anytime soon. So I would just be very patient. I think this is going to be a slow bleed real estate market for the next three, four years. It's not going to be 08 where there's four sellers and everyone's just trying to dump their property. There's not a lot of those people out there that are desperate, not enough to drive the overall uh, prices down quickly and suddenly. Right. Okay. So what I would say is have the cash, be pre-approved, be looking, and maybe there is a seller out there that gets desperate enough and, and will lower their price to somewhere that's realistic. Like I said, at the top of the show, most sellers are not very realistic, but you could always come across one that is and it's the perfect property for you and your family, and you can afford the payments, and you live in it for 10 plus years, you live a happy life, because that's what ultimately your home is for. It's not to make money. You could be miserable and make a bunch of money, but you're miserable for five, 10 years because you are in this property you don't want, you don't want to live in. So make sure that it's right for you. Be very patient, but don't be afraid to jump in if everything kind of lines up but this is a buyer's market now and that means you have options and you have time awesome. thanks for the call. and to the first part of that question do you have a general rule of thumb as to like what percentage of income you should be putting towards a monthly mortgage historically it's 30 percent, and i i think you you probably shouldn't go more than 35 you know especially when you add in property tax and and hoa if you have it and um insurance, insurance and all that, you know, there's additional costs, upkeep and maintenance. Don't be pushing 50%, 30, 35%, stay in that range. And I wouldn't go much above 35. Next call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here each and every weekday. And that's help to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. It's different for everybody. So we're here to give you the tools, the mindset, and the knowledge in order to make good investment decisions. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now at 888-99-CHART.
question for Steve or Justin? Uh, I think there's likely a pullback here uh, in, the, in the offing. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888 99 Chart. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. I know you probably haven't traveled in a while, but don't worry. Expedia Travel Week is coming, and you can save 20% or more on thousands of hotels between June 8th and 12th. Expedia, it matters who you travel with. Limited availability, blackout dates apply. GNC has more protein and pre-workouts in more flavors, like Jolly Rancher and Girl Scout cookie-inspired flavors and more. So you won't just stick to your wellness routine. You'll crave it. Get to your GNC store or GNC.com today. And now AT&T solves another small business problem you never thought you'd have. Puppy videos. <laughs> Namely, one real cute puppy video with some not-so-cute malware which attacked your network and made you never want to watch an adorable video again. Get internet that helps to keep your business secure with AT&T Internet for Business and AT&T Internet Security Suite powered by McAfee. To know more, call 855-288-5595. Limited availability in select areas. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at TreatCovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Home sweet home. People are putting time and energy and money into their homes right now. There's no better place to put it. And as a result of all that effort. Yes. A lot of junk needs to disappear. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. We make junk disappear. All you have to do is point. You won't just be saying home sweet home anymore. You'll be saying extremely very sweet. Big, open, spacious. Sparkling junk-free home. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK or visit 1-800-GOT-JUNK.COM. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. 
Hi, Invest Talk. This is Anwar from DC. I'm calling in regard to I bonds. I know you've gotten a lot of questions about them recently, and you've covered them a few times on your show. I actually happen to be invested in I bonds. I maxed out my limit for 2020 and 2021. My question for you is if I wanted to buy more I bonds, I know that they adjust the rate that they pay every six months. But what I don't know is is that six months from when you buy them? So is it on a personal clock, so to speak, or is it on a standardized six-month window and everyone's rate is adjusted every six months? I'm sure that there's somewhere I could find that information in the literature reading about them. However, I haven't come up with it yet. So if you could shed any light on that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you. I'm a loyal listener. I love what you guys do, and I'll be looking forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. All right. And the simple answer is this, that Ivan's Rates are determined each May 1st and November 1st, and each fixed rate applies to all I-bonds issued in the six months following the rate determination. Okay, so uh, it adjusts in, I believe it adjusts in, is it, is it February? It's, it's, I believe it's March, if I remember from our last discussion. It is the same. I know that it is the same for everybody. Okay. Uh, yeah. So November, I believe it's, yeah, maybe it's March or April. I, I don't know the exact date, but it does look like it's somewhere around there. And it is for everybody. It isn't just based on when you buy it yourself. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks for the call. Now let's pivot over to the jobs market. And if you look at the headline number for the month of August, there were 315,000 jobs added. That was down from the prior month of 526,000. But if you look underneath the surface, parts of the market are starting to show weakness and it's not picked up by that headline number. Things like payroll growth and unemployment rate. Now, the U.S. household survey comes in from the unemployment rate is, is how the unemployment rate is calculated. And it's a survey of household members. So it counts people and whether they're employed or not. Now, if one person picks up a second or third job for any reason, they're still counted as one employed person. So it's possible that those additional jobs get picked up as multiple people. Right. If you if you take two two part time jobs, then it's the survey is going to look like there were two jobs created, but it only covers one person. Now, if you you also have to consider that jobs number considers part time as well as full time employees and part time that that two hundred forty two thousand number. Actually, sorry, three hundred and what was it? Three hundred and fifteen. About 465 of those were part-time, meaning more than that number were part-time. 242,000 full-time jobs actually disappeared. So underneath the surface, you're actually seeing the real solid paying jobs actually going down. There's another job or job or labor market indicator that people follow, and that's the JOLTS, the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. 
And usually it's calculating the difference between total job openings and the number of unemployed people. And typically it's about a two to one ratio. But one of the criteria for jobs opening is that there's active recruitment. Meaning there are announcements, internet notices, advertising, etc. And the pool of labor available for the jobs are the unemployed, but that doesn't include job switchers. And so it's kind of messing up the survey because a lot of those jobs that are being taken are from people switching jobs. And so it's not really been a great indicator since so many people are just jumping from job to job more than usual. Uh, so overall, what you're seeing is a labor market that's actually been weak for the past few months. You're already seeing aggregate hours decline. Uh, and so the weird question is, when will that feed into headline numbers and ultimately the Fed paying attention? And that could be this month. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And we have exceeded the 45.6 million mark thanks to you. And we appreciate you all and for spreading the word about Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.